0: Hey okay, guys, welcome back to another episode of Overcome and Become. With me as always is my co-host, Humberto Kaufman. And today we have a very special guest, uh, the owner of Hammer Fitness and man the F up, Hammer Camera. How are you doing today, sir?
1: Good, thank you for having me, guys. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today, man. Um, having you on is a huge deal to us because your work it speaks volumes. I think one of the biggest things that stands out to me was that I know you're a minimalist. So to speak, up until you just bought the G wagon. Um, <laughs> congrats on that, by the way. But that minimalist lifestyle. I'm curious to ask. I've seen that you don't really believe in having a lot of luxurious, you know, purchases, so to speak, over the course of your life. So, what I'd like to know is, more or less, what did it take for you to start your first business? What was like? What was required? What was the sacrifice?
1: Yeah, I think even to this day that. It, it's like a battle of that minimalist mindset and trying to and then trying to enjoy life at the same time you know it's always a battle because there's a lot of things we don't need you know there's a lot of things we don't need there's a lot of things we don't need to do. so it's important that you understand why you're doing certain things, why you're buying certain things like why you're giving attention to certain things in your life. when I was starting my business, I mean you know obviously I didn't have much money you know and and for years, even building my business, I didn't have money to pay myself really it was more everything I was doing was going back into my business. It was going back into my learning. It was going back into my growth um, to be able to progress my business. So, you know, there's a lot of sacrifices that people need to make. And I think sometimes when people look at, um, you know, entrepreneurs or business people, and especially with social media, it's, it's a lot of flash, right? And we tend to, want that lifestyle for the wrong reasons you know luckily for me I started when those things didn't really exist when there weren't like entrepreneurs working from the beach you know driving nice cars that wasn't really a trend at the time but you know you really what business is and when you're starting a business and when you're pursuing a business you you can't be giving your your time and your money to to those types of things it needs to go back into it's like a kid it needs to go into the business you need to nurture it in order for you to grow it so you know it was really I I wasn't I didn't buy my first brand new car until it was 30 years old. You know, I didn't have a brand new car until I was 30 years old. Every car I drove. And I've been in business on my own since I was 20 20 or 21 years old. So that is a testament to how much time I put into my business and how little I did for myself personally before, you know, before I reached that point where I can buy anything.
2: So you're basically sacrificing the fun in your present for the future and the reward that it was going to reap, and the belief that you had that it was going to pay off.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's like it's like paying off your debt. You know, if you have a twenty thousand dollar credit card debt, the only way you pay off that credit card debt is by sacrificing luxury or lifestyle t- today in order to pay that off tomorrow. You know, and it, it works the same way whether it's a debt or whether it's you trying to get ahead. You ha- you have to do you have to sacrifice what you're doing today. You know, I wasn't taking vacations. I wasn't you know, going out, I wasn't doing any of those things. It was like, literally, everything was focused only on that. Um, And now, luckily, that I'm in a position where I can have more fun, I still need to remind myself of it, you know, because that's, that's where a lot of people kind of get off, you know, that they, they reach a certain point, and they kind of just tap out because they're like, Oh, this is, it's fun here. It's exciting. You know, I can I can buy a nice car, or I can do nice things, or I can, enjoy myself more but that's where you really need to stay focused and stay grounded which is a difficult thing because there's no reason why you need to sacrifice you know you don't need to kill yourself and sacrifice but the same thing that got you to where you are is the same values and morals and principles that you need to maintain in order for you to get a lot further Um, and I think that's why you know as you climb higher and higher there are fewer and fewer people reaching the top because it's you know a lot more distraction a lot more pleasure a lot more um, deviation, a lot more temptation out there, right?
2: You know what? That's very interesting because I can totally relate that to my own bodybuilding experience and career. I found that when I first started and when I first started bodybuilding and, you know, I started right around 2004 at that point, I basically had nothing, but the will to get to a certain point. So it's almost like my mentality was to a certain degree, a little bit more hardcore. And as I started to become a little bit more successful with my competitive history and even in business, I found that I got to a point in which that hardcore mentality started to subside a little bit. And I, and I had to take a step back and almost self-analyze and look internally. What is it? Am I getting too comfortable, so to speak, softer because I've gotten some of the things that I was looking for? And I don't know if you... No, of someone that has experienced something similar, even yourself, but it, it, I completely agree with that. It's so important that you consistently review that mentality, whether it's changing, whether it is where it should be for that point in time that you are, are in, perhaps you should go back and, and take yourself back to, you know, that mindset that got you where you are in the,
1: in, in the first place to see how much farther it can get you. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Absolutely. man. I think I I see it with even clients or athletes all the time or even myself, you know, it's almost like a trend or a cycle, people will, you know, have a lot of success. And then the following year, or the following cycle of whatever they're doing, it's like, not as good. And then that motivates them to do better. You know, it's like, shit, I'm not, you know, they might not, let's say someone's doing a show, they might not look nearly as conditioned the next time, because you you almost forget what it took to get to where you are. You know, if you're dieting for a show, for example, you forget how hard you had to diet in order to get there. You know, like you remember the good things, but you don't necessarily remember how difficult it was, how much sacrifice you had to make. Like it's hard to put yourself in that that headspace. So then, let's say you don't look good the next time around, you're like, "Shit, I gotta I gotta get better." You know, that wasn't good enough. Like you're disappointed in yourself, and that becomes the new motivation. You know in business in entrepreneurship it's kind of the same thing to be quite honest with you but you know I was very driven for many years also with that mindset and that mentality which I found up to a certain point stopped working for me it worked up until a certain point and then it no longer worked for me because I was almost like pushing myself from like a point of like fear and pushing myself from a point of I don't have enough and like I need to be better and it's almost like a I was pushing myself or get gaining the motivation and, and, and the desire to work hard from a point of like, I'm not happy with myself or I'm not happy with who I am. And like, but that gets old after a while too, you know, it's like, you hear that same narrative over and over. And then I, you know, I shifted eventually I had to, like, we all function from our, our point of beliefs. Right. And I had to Instead of like, let's say in business, I would always convince myself that, you know, you're not good enough, you're poor, you don't have enough money, you need to be better, like all those sorts of things. I thought to myself, that, you know, after many years, like, what if I were to put myself in the position of like, you are good, or you are successful, and like, you, you, you have been successful, how much better can you be? You know, like, operate from a place of desire, not a place of fear, operate from a place of growth, not a place of, you know, fear and, 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 and scarcity. You know, and when I started to think that way, I actually started to experience more success in my life because I was making decisions that like I was running towards something instead of running away from something, you know, so I was a lot more clear about my objectives. And that was a very, very difficult place for me to reach personally, because that's not what I was used to ever, you know, and uh, that mindset shift was the tipping point for me.
2: So I guess uh, you could say that you switch from I'll believe it when I see it.
1: So I'll see it when I believe it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and that's even part. And truthfully, that's even part of buying a nice car, for example. You know, it's like I was always like, man, I want to get a nice car. I want to maybe one day I will. No, I need to work harder before I earn it. And then I said, if I just get it, how much more successful will I think, you know, being in it? How much more successful will I feel being in it? You know, how will how will I view myself being in a nice car? And I did that, you know, like three, four years, three years ago um, when I bought my first Mercedes. And when I did that, I was like, man, I actually leveled up in life. And whether you wanna say that's stupid or it's nonsense, the reality is like, I was driving a nicer car and I started to think, well, like, I need to shave off the bullshit in my day. You know, I needed to stop wasting time in my day. Like I need to think more like a successful person and how would a successful person think? So I started to feel that way. And then the same thing happened when I got this car. Like it just, it was a mindset shift and a mindset elevation And it may be something as stupid as a car or maybe something as stupid as anything, whatever it's your body, whether it's like, you know, you need to get abs to feel that way. And if that's what makes you feel better and level up mentally and start thinking the way that person with the abs should think, or that person with the car should think, I think there's nothing wrong with it. You know, it's funny because as, as silly as it
2: may sound, what I can associate that with, and I don't know if you would agree, is like as simple as when you put on a good, a nice suit. The moment you start wearing that, it's almost like you start acting the part. You, you, there's, It does something to you in which you're almost getting into a different character, a more business oriented or a more, you know, leadership oriented. So I can completely agree and understand what you're saying, what, what you're saying specifically regarding this. Whatever is that you purchase, you start to act like once instead of just believing that you're going to get there, you start to act as if you've already gotten there to see how much you can progress from that point instead of, having something kind of holding you back
1: in that regard. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is start with the end in mind. So like you think about the end, what does it look like? And then you work backwards from there, you know, because in order for you to get to a place you've never been, you have to know what it looks like and how are you supposed to act in a way like, how am I supposed to think like a successful person? Or, you know, if you've been obese your whole life, how are you supposed to think like somebody that's in shape? If you don't know what it's like to be there, you can't just, you know, all of a sudden, Uh, you know flip the switch and start thinking like a successful person you know you don't get money then think like a successful person you get money because you think like a successful person you don't get a good body and then think like a person with a good body you know like you, you, you you have to have that mindset before you achieve it so you have to already be there mentally and that's difficult because like that's almost like some degree of delusions you know and And I'm sure you experienced this in bodybuilding, you know, as did I for, for, for years that I did it. It's like, you have to be in a somewhat of a delusional state in order for you to achieve things. And it works, you know, and, and sometimes it sounds weird if you're saying it out loud, because other people are like, man, you're so out to lunch, but you need to believe it. You need to convince yourself of that narrative. You need to start like seeing your life that way in order for you to get there. It's such an interesting uh, concept. And,
2: and, and I think, uh, it might be worth noting that it's also a matter of self-regulating because in some cases that delusion may take you a little bit too away from reality, right? Like I, I can, I can relate this to bodybuilding. For example, you, I am all for someone believing that they can go and get to where they want or need to get, but I think there's some cases and this may have to do with your environment and support system, because if these people pump up your tires a little bit too much in which you're starting to believe perhaps that you're a little bit ahead, Mm -hmm. uh, than where you currently are, that is also going to be detrimental potentially to your, to your process, right. And your, and your success.
1: Yeah. it's, It's like a fine balance and a fine art between like being hard on yourself and believing in yourself and like constantly going back and forth between the two like talking to yourself in two different voices, you know? And that's hard because like one, one will be very destructive, which is the I'm not good enough mentality. And then the other one's just as destructive, which is the like, I'm gonna be an amazing pro and I'm gonna be the best in the world mentality. You almost need like, it's like everything in life. There needs to be a balance of energies in order for it to be successful or whole or complete. Do you... um, Go ahead, Bart. I was gonna say, here's a question though.
0: would you agree that in some cases it takes a catalyst of some kind to elevate someone's thinking in that manner? Though, let's say someone's complacent as it is, or they're thinking in a way where, like, oh, I can never reach this goal, does it sometimes require a catalyst that, in some cases, could be traumatic to actually get them to change their mindset?
1: Yeah, I think at different points we 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 experience different things in, or we need different things in our lives. You know, I mean, you know, there's a reason why a lot of bodybuilders start bodybuilding because of breakups for example you know we hear that cliche and it's true for a reason and the catalyst almost is a good thing i was thinking about this yesterday we we built a gym right and i remember when we built the first we're building it but when we were building the first one I remember thinking to myself like, what the fuck am I doing? Why am I doing this? You know, like I was half, like I already had the lease. I already signed. I had the key. I was in the place. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing all this? First of all, what am I doing all this for? What am I even doing? I don't even know what I'm doing. And then I remember like that thought came to mind was like, you will figure everything out, but you have to dig yourself into a hole deep enough where you have the motivation or the desire to want to climb. You know, and eventually you work so hard or you climb so far or you push yourself like you're so your back so much against the wall that like you have no choice but to figure something out in life and then you're, you're too deep in it. So now you just go with it and you just push yourself to the point where you're like, OK, this is going to be successful. I have no choice, you know, and you don't have an end limit. There's no upper limit for, for where you stop. So whether that's like voluntarily that you make that choice to, you know, sign a lease or you know, enter a show or do whatever, or it's it's something happens in life and and you're forced to regardless, like external pressure, external circumstances do force us to level up. And, you know, I'm sure even I've had clients sometimes where they weren't necessarily getting the best results. And then I would say to them, you know, you're like, you know, 14 weeks out and they're like, yeah, I didn't book the show yet. I'm like, that's probably why you're not getting great results because you didn't book the show yet. You still leave that little room for like Mm -hmm. cutting corners. Like when you're fully committed to something and fully invested into something, it's not a matter of diet. It's not a matter of carbs. It's not a matter of cardio. It's literally a mindset shift and you know, you're in, you're all in and you have no choice but to do it, you know? And I think whether that happens because you chose to, or whether that happens because life throws something at you. When you have no choice, you get much better results. So I often try to put myself in a situation where I have no choice because then I have no choice but to figure it out or but to do it.
2: You know, that's very interesting. I was just telling Byron that uh, I just started working with a client that at the gym, he was telling me, um, I'm thinking about I'm going to do everything I can to do this, this show that we have in 14 weeks just right there by the body language and what he was saying even it sounded like there was that option of not doing it that you haven't really fully committed right so he said i kind of want to make the show uh in in 14 weeks right there i kind of the language that you're using and basically the position you're putting yourself in that is just one foot in it's just not going to work and then he proceeded to tell me okay i'm going to do everything i can in the next two weeks to see if i can make it still not good enough. You still have, have acid in there. Uh, so it wasn't until, I guess he realized that as you're saying, there isn't, it, it isn't a matter of, you shouldn't allow yourself for that option B because if you do, then it's very easy, whether it's consciously, subconsciously, you're going to, your actions are going to be aligned with this potential option of just not doing it. So, uh, now Amr, do you, um, Do you have any clients or or people that you work with that you would consider overthinkers? And if so, what advice do you normally give them when this overthinking starts to be detrimental to their success and progress?
1: Yeah, I think one thing I've learned over time when working with people is that as much as I'm the coach and it's, you know, my way, you also have to cater your coaching to certain personalities, you know, and we're all personalities in to varying degrees someone that's an overthinker, i i tend to want to give them more instructions and more of a blueprint more of a outline of like what it looks like um because they're probably more uh you know a systematic type of person and they need to have a plan they need to know what it looks like and we know contest prep is not necessarily a plan like I can't tell you what you're going to eat in three weeks from now you know I would love to because then that would be less work for me on my end I could just say here you go take it go and we know it's more work when you're working coaching someone like you're you know going through the process with them making alterations based on what you see so I tend to give that type of personality more of an outline of what the process is going to look like because it's going to be healthier for them mentally you know and I sometimes I forget that not everyone's like me. And I think we're all guilty of that. You know, we think like our way is the right way and the way we think is the right way. And, and and rightfully so, because I think, you know, you guys have proven success and I have proven success in some areas. So as a result of that, like you want people to adapt or adopt that mindset or that way of working or that way of thinking. But I, 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 I always try to remind myself that this person needs something different. And that's a big part of coaching. It's like, what does this person need you know some people need to check in with me every day and some people need to check in with me maybe once every two weeks in order it's just too much for them mentally so sure i don't bend on my values or my beliefs but i have to bend on making it uh, accommodating in order like accommodating in order for people to get bring the best out of them
2: yeah so that that would be the definition of true personalized coaching you're basically acting or providing instructions or instructing based on the personality, as you are mentioning, I've, I've worked with clients that, you know, you take a look at them, you're like, oh, these people is going to do very well. They have a lot of potential, but they just don't see that. They're like, oh, I'm not good enough. I look like crap. You know, I'm too fat, too small, whatever. And so with those people, I've, I've found that I have to almost like bring them up, in, in, so to speak. And then there's some other clients that are they are a little bit too overconfident. They'll be like, you know what? I'm going to, no one's going to touch me. I'm going to, I'm going to kill. I'm going to get my pro in this show. And they haven't even stepped on stage. So oh, a little bit too far, buddy. Let's bring it back a little bit because you need to back to reality almost, right? And it's not like you're trying to bring them down or just not have them have huge aspirations. But at the same time, we need to understand that you don't know who's going to show up, especially when it's an international pro qualifier. Someone can come from the other side of the world and it's completely blow everyone out, out of the water, right? Yeah, yeah I think expectations
1: it's it's all expectations you know creating setting expectations for people you know taking someone from where they are and like directing them to what the goal is you know and and that's what coaches do is we're looking objectively from the outside and you know we're like no go left more go more right except the left and the right are different words you know like we're we're saying like oh humble yourself or you're not good enough or you are good enough or you know eat more or eat less like that's all it is but we're essentially just directing them and guiding them there while trying to manage it from from a personality standpoint, you know, like you you know, as you said, someone thinks they're too good. You you got to humble them. You got to bring them back down to reality. You got to smack them down a bit. You know. And, <laughs> yeah, and that's that's back,
2: sometimes right? what it takes. Absolutely. Yeah. I um, to let's take it back to the very beginning a little bit. Um, what I would like to know is how did the, the entire bodybuilding process started for you? Like what was it that originally got you interested in, in the sport and the industry and the process? And uh, and when was this too?
1: Yeah, sure. I was playing for me. I was playing football. I was already in good shape from playing football. I wasn't, you know, in good shape before that, but it just kind of happened. You know, you're doing a lot of cardio, you're lifting weights. Um, and then I was doing some fashion modeling stuff. And then I, I I was getting a bit too muscular for that. And I thought, okay, I like this. Like, I like this whole process. I like being in shape. I like, you know, getting on a stage or doing whatever it is. And, you know, what are my options here? And at the time there was something called fitness modeling and that's what I was doing, right? It was like, I I was competing in something called fame at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I was competing against like guys like Ronaldo Gary, you know, like, you know, he's a pro. Like I was competing against guys like that because there was nothing else for me to do. You know, <laughs> I was like yeah, yeah, yeah. Or 17 years old competing against guys like that and they were massive. And I just kind of found my way and then I stopped competing for a while. And then I started competing again um, when I was like 21 and did it for another four and a half years. Before there was men's physique, it was something called uh, WBFF. There was uh, like pro fitness modeling um, and I competed with that. And then when I was finishing, that's when they started Coming out with an IFBB men's physique, mm-hmm. and um, they only had really, I think, bodybuilding, bikini, figure, and um, fitness at the time. Yeah, there was no classic, there was no men's physique, there was no wellness, mm-hmm. there was no women's physique, there were none of those categories, right? So, those were those came after, and then So the this top, was around 2012, no? Yeah, huh? I stopped at t- in 2012, I stopped yeah. competing in 2012, and really, I stopped because I was just noticing, I was giving my attention to more things, you know, I was giving my attention more to business. And and for me, it's a very difficult thing. I can't focus on two things at once. I can only do one thing and I'm obsessed with it. And I like, if I'm dealing with you right now for something in business, I will annoy you, man. I just won't stop calling you. I won't stop messaging you until like, it's done, you know, and then yep. when it's done. I don't think about it ever again. So that's kind of how my life has been. And it's a double-edged sword. It's a catch 22, right? Like it helps me because it helps me progress in something and be hyper-focused. But at the same time, all other areas of my life, I kind of just forget about. It doesn't matter anymore.
0: Well, clearly that obsession, though, is what breeds the success that you've had so far, right? Because you're so attentive to it. You're putting all your effort and time into it until basically the goal is accomplished, right? Um, I'm curious, Amr, was it the coaching that was your first business, essentially, that come directly after competing?
1: Yeah. 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 It just, it just happened organically. It just kind of transitioned into it. Like many of us do, but I noticed my, like I said, I was just giving so much to my clients that I thought like when I was competing, I literally couldn't even train two people, maybe two people. That was like my max. I was like, ah, three weeks before a show, I'm like, no, I'm done. I'm not training anyone anymore. You know, like I just, my mind when I couldn't wait for shows to be done, not because I wanted to eat, not because I didn't like the training. It was just like my mind needed to relax. Because all I thought about was the show that I was doing or whatever I was, you know, the goal was at the time, right? So I just found myself personally, I was giving a lot of time to it, right? And but while I was giving all that time to it, my mind wanted to do a lot of other things. You know, I was 24 at the time and I I really wanted to do a lot of other things. I wanted to pursue business. Um, I wanted to put a lot into it. So it, it was just like a natural transition. I never really, I never thought about competing ever again since then.
2: Interesting. When you work with different levels of clients, let's say first-time competitor being one level, pro-qualifying and professionals, do you have a different approach that you use to each one of these different types of clients? Or do you try to get, let's say, the new as close to the intensity or approach that you would for a guy or a person in pro-qualifying
1: uh, stage or even professional stage? Yeah, that's a very good question because I think, you know, it's a question that reflects how much I've changed over the years too, right? I mean, like at one point you kind of try different things and you, I think with a lot of things in life, you always circle back to what's authentic to you. You know, like you kind of change yourself over the course of life. You're like, oh, maybe this works or maybe that's the best, or maybe, you know, I should act more like this. And it kind of happens naturally. I don't think we think about it too much. Like I never thought maybe it should be nicer. Maybe it should be harder. But what I found worked for me is just being myself, you know, and, and honestly, just being honest with people. I think in earlier years I was honest, but like unnecessarily rude and unnecessarily an asshole, whereas like, I'm just honest now, but I'm, I know how to be honest in a respectful way. And I think that's what I learned. And, and that honesty comes with confidence and that comes with uh, maturity. But I, I say more confidence, you know, often we say things in a rude way. When it's the truth because like it's an easier way for us to communicate it like mm-hmm. it, it's hard to be nice and honest at the same time so it's like easier to be like you fucking suck you know yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, with maturity and confidence you kind of you know how to communicate with people and articulate yourself better um and communicate your message so that people understand it so it's, my approach is kind of the same in how i communicate with people My expectation of a person is the same always, like you have to give 100. There is no room for like anything less. But what I expect the person to look like in the end, obviously, is going to be relative to what they're capable of at that given time.
2: Yeah, I guess what would be key noting here is that 100% could mean different for different people, depending on the stages that they are, but it's still the expectation and the the bare minimum that you're expecting for from every single one of these people. And it's also important to know what you mentioned. There's a difference between being rude and being completely honest. There's ways of going, because I I know some people that pride themselves perhaps as being completely honest, but they are perhaps a little bit more rude than it's, it's warranted or necessary. Um, So it's, it's that, that important distinction. It's, 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 there's a fine line if you will like there's and and at the same time i think some people if they're not used to being talked to with the complete honesty and truth you might be even super polite but still keeping that message straight and they may take offense because they're not used to people talking to them with honesty right Mm
1: -hmm. yeah and we're, we're also dealing with people's bodies you know it's like it's one thing if you're dealing with someone's you know, like something someone owns, you know, maybe you're fixing their couch, you know, or whatever it is, and you're like, "Oh, the couch just like the material's garbage, you know, like it's different, but when you're talking about someone's body, obviously people have different attachments to their body, they have different psychological issues when it comes to their body, eating disorders and body dysmorphia and these types of things, so it can affect people differently and they 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 take things differently, so you know one thing that's always led me in i think for myself because i do take a lot of things personally anyways when i'm coaching people and i think as a good any good coach does but as i always just remind myself to to act in a way that i want that that that's respectful and communicate in a way that's respectful so when you are saying the right things you never have to wonder if what you said was right or wrong mm-hmm. oh you know, because often it's like i said the right thing to people but i said it in the wrong way and then in the end i'm still wrong for it Right, still wrong because like you you may have said what was came from a good place, but it's how you communicated with them, which was wrong, you know, and and now you're at fault. Now you're wrong for that. So as long as I stay true to those values, then I never have to question myself in the end. And I never have to wonder like, what was my wrongdoing in that situation? Um, Or was the client overreacting when I said, you know, they need to be better, you know, were they, you know, was it, was it right the way I communicated it? What I, was what they said right or wrong. You never have to wonder those things when your communication gets better. Mm-hmm. Have you ever um, experienced having to tell
2: a client not to compete because of a reason other than their current physical state, meaning psychological, whether it was body dysmorphia, depression, or anything along those lines?
1: Yeah. And I think these are things that again, it, it comes with experience, you, know, I, 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 you see the full cycle of something, you know, and when you understand the full cycle of something in life, it gives you a lot of confidence, right? Like we, we know the real estate bubble. It's like every 10 years, the stock market it goes up and it, it's a bubble and then it crashes. And then that crash leaves a bit more room for growth. So we know what the cycle looks like. And people that have never been through like a recession or a, a stock market crash or a real estate crash, they're like scared right now. But people that have been through the high and the low they understand it and they're like, ah, it's no big deal. It's going to crash and it's going to come back again. And, you know, I understand what the landscape looks like. And the same is true for coaching people. It's like I've coached people through a whole process and a whole cycle and all types of people to understand what it looks like. So I know where that person is and how it's going to end with them. You know, is it going to end on bad terms? Is it going to end on good terms? Like what does that relationship look like? And I know that because of the the history of, of cycles of personalities and people. So, you know, I've got to the point where now I can say to people like, this is not a good fit because I'd rather it end that way instead of it ending in a way where it's like, well, like I'm the bad guy or, you know, they're just not in a good headspace in the end of it all. And and it just turns into something more than it needs to be. You know, having said that I also got better at pre-qualifying people as well. So I don't even work with that type of person. And I think that comes with a lot of time and experience as well doing anything it's like now i kind of don't attract certain people because they don't get to that point in my in my process they don't get to that point in working with me where they are even working with me for me to know that i know before even working with someone that they're not going to be a good fit do you have any uh just kind of build on what you were saying uh amer do you have any sort of screening process when deciding to work with a specific uh client or athlete yeah i think something interesting that you said man which was like you made some very good points about, you know, the guy in your gym that was saying he kind of wants to do it or he's going to see how he looks in two weeks. And, you know, I would take on those people before. And, you know, I, I'm, any coach likes helping people, you know. Mm. Any coach that we know, nobody I, – I don't think anyone coaches and doesn't like helping people. I think every coach in the industry to varying degrees likes helping people. So we want to believe that we can help everyone, you know, and, and that's the nature of a coach typically. I would always – say yes to certain people, like, yes, I can help them, or I want to, or I feel bad, or whatever, whatever the case may be. But as you said, with that guy, it, it's kind of like, I can hear their language. And I, and, and I know that they're just not at that point for me where I want to work with them. You know, I'm, I'm not a coach that's going to take you from like the ABCs, you know, and teach you like, okay, here's how you diet. Here's how you do these things. Here's how you count your macros. Like, here's how, like, I need you to push harder on the cardio. I kind of got past that point in my work where I don't even want to do that kind of work. So, you know, I'm not going to I'm actually not even a good coach for that type of person. You know, like if you're if you come to me and you want me to teach you that, I'm not even going to be a good coach for you. You're going to get more out of someone else. So, I don't want you to have a bad experience working with me because I didn't give you what you need. And that's all relationships are. It's expectations of what people need, and I can't meet that expectation for a lot of people. I so now I work with people that are more of like they're very self-sufficient. They know how to diet. They've done shows before. Like, I'm not the coach for people, for the most part, working with people that have just only done one one show, you know, their first show or never done a show before.
2: And it circles back to uh, just being completely honest with yourself and with the client. Like, if you truly believe that you cannot help them, you, you're very comfortable with just saying that. But I think the problem with perhaps some coaches, specifically the new ones, is that they encounter these moral dilemmas very often. This is unfortunate. And I think it is potentially a combination of things. They don't have the experience. They don't know where this situation may lead. And also, if they really need that coaching fee, they really need the money because they're just starting, right? So it's, it's, it's a very, once you start to develop your client base, once you start to really know yourself and your abilities and limitations as a coach, then you're a lot more comfortable in saying, you know what, I'm sorry, this is not whether it's a, a very specific uh, demographics, whether they have an underlying health issue that you just don't feel comfortable you don't want to screw them over. You're very comfortable with saying, you know what, this is not, this is beyond my uh, scope of practice. I just wouldn't feel comfortable leading you in this particular case.
1: That, that, that's an excellent point, man. I think a lot of it, and it's not even like an insult to people. It's like a lot of times coaches take on people specifically for the money because they want the money too, right? And I experienced this in my business with employees and, and thankfully we don't have that problem anymore, but we would have employees that would take on people, but they weren't even good coaches for these people. So as a result of that, like these people would get shit service or wouldn't get the results they wanted and they'd leave unhappy. You know, we're thankfully we're in a position now where we have less employees, but they're all very focused on a specific scope of practice. Like they're good at one thing and now they'll be like, okay, you take this one, you take that one. But that only really happens when you have coaches that are busy, you know, and that have work and they're not dying for work. And and so it's it's like, you guys know Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of and it's like, yeah. uh, you know, you can't reach a point of self-actualization in life where you can help people if you're still fighting the lower tiers of the hierarchy. You know, yeah. if you're still like trying to put food on your table, well, then the priority will never fully be helping someone else because you're always trying to provide shelter or food or physiology, you know, like, for, for yourself. And so you have to get past that point in order for you to really be very successful and like reach a point of mastery where you can help other people where it's like, I don't need to worry about putting food on the table. You know, I don't need to worry about, you know, putting a shelter or roof over my head. I can and I don't and I don't have self esteem issues. So like now and that happened before when we had, for example, employees that are competing against like some of our clients. You know it's like so now you eliminate all those things and you have people that are at a higher level in their thinking and they're actually able to help people to the best they can
2: mm-hmm. and this relates back i think to you and, uh, competitors as well like with when they don't have those basic tiers from that level of hierarchy as, as you were mentioning they're not going to be able to do the things for that highest level of self-actualization if they are still very concerned with the tiers below whether it's you don't have Enough to sustain yourself, whether it is that you don't, you really care about what other people are are thinking about you, and 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 and, you know little things like that. It just relates to basically everything if you really think about it. When it comes to really getting to the highest
1: self that you can achieve, everywhere in life, and I think you know that's probably why people don't necessarily like someone like Phil Heath, for example. They don't understand his way of thinking. You know, they don't understand his level of confidence um, or belief in, in himself. And people think like it's a You know, oh man, like he's he's you know like he's too cocky. Yeah, they don't relate to it, but it's like I I think he's from what I gather. I think he's lived a life where he never really suffered, you know, in terms of like money and things like that. Like I I Mm -hmm. think he comes from a good family, so he's he kind of had those tools, you know, and like a lot of people in this industry don't, you know, unfortunately, like they might not have both parents in their life, they might not come from a family that has money, so it's like. A lot of us were fighting those battles, and then you have a guy like that. That's he's already has all those tools. He's like, "Fuck, I'm just focused on being the best bodybuilder I can. I don't need to worry about food. I don't need to worry about love. I don't need to worry about you know uh, uh, self esteem. Like I have all these things fulfilled, and now I can just focus on the one thing that makes me great." Which is why I think a lot of people uh, identify with Kai Greene uh, even
2: more than, yeah. than Phil Heath, right? Kai Green's story is amazing, and he didn't yeah. have any of these things, right? And, you know, that, I think that's what made that uh, that battle of number, for number one between those two so interesting because... He represents he the like, Yeah, exactly. He was a people's champ, and, you know, more people, I think, could identify with his story rather than with Phil Heath's, right? But the reality is, though, in this sport, you need those financial resources to be able to become as good as you potentially can. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Absolutely. Uh, Amr, I'm curious. Um, I know
0: you have a very strong stance on COVID and the the situation that our country is in right now and just business in general and business that have been forced to close. Can you give me some perspective on maybe perhaps some advice or just thoughts you want to share with people in terms of the past year and how things have gone for, whether it's a business owner or just people in general with mental health?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously it's unfortunate. I think, you know, I'm not of the belief that COVID's fake. I'm not one of those people that think that it doesn't exist. I do. I do believe it's real. You know, um, I do believe that. You know, a lot of the government uh, restrictions are unlawful, and that, you know, they just don't make sense. And I did get very caught up in it for a while in terms of like I have strong beliefs. You know, but. I always find myself in life when I get to a point where I'm complaining and nothing changes, I, I need to make change. You know, I hate hearing myself say the same things over and over and we're in the same circumstance. So I saw that people were not going to make changes, you know, businesses were not just going to go out and open. So I'm not going to keep on advocating for something where people aren't going to make changes in their life. That's just not, it's a waste of time. What I do think though, you know, evolution is a very real thing in life. You know, it's what got us to where we are. And I think humans were so, complacent and we we don't we don't like change we love certainty so we've reached like this point in evolution where we want to remain where we are because it's so great like we have a wonderful life like everything is nice like we have internet we have like phones like we have everything we can uh, you know at the at the tip of our fingers and we're trying to fight evolution almost as well. You know, like we, we are going to evolve. Governments are going to evolve. Like the way our, our societies are built are going to evolve. That's just the the law of nature. That's the law of human, uh, of being a human being. And I think sometimes when you fight things too much, you almost miss out on what's ahead, you know, because you're looking to to try to stay the same. And, you know, the most successful people are the ones that can, ad- uh, adopt new ideas or adopt things very quickly and not um, be stuck in old ways. That's one of the key characteristics that makes a genius a genius is their ability to quickly pivot and focus on something new or take a new idea or ideology and let go of their old one, even if they've held on to that old one for so long. Whereas average people, they can't let go of their old ideology because they're like, oh, that's what I've known my whole life. You know, I don't want to let go of that, even if the new one is better. And that's what separates a genius from other people, one of the main things. So I think that, you know, you have to always like any successful person, any happy person, it's like you focus on what you choose to focus on grows, you know, and I'm not going to sit online and complain and cry about it. Like, I don't do that. I just, I focus on the tools in front of me, whatever's in front of me, and going to make the most of it. If that means that like, we become a communist country and like, everyone's the same. Well, like, I'm just going to try to be the best amongst the same, you know, and that's my goal. And 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 use the tools I have and, and continuously work to be better. Having said that, you know, I also believe that there's more opportunity right now to level up than there ever was. And there's more opportunity, so to speak, to level down in life for a lot of people, you know, and if you miss that train one way or the other, you're too late. And I think you have to take advantage of what's in front of you. More people are on the internet, more people are, are hiring online coaches. Like I don't think personal training will ever be the same. I think it will be there, just will never be the same. I think gyms will never be the same um, as they once were. So like, the world changes. That's evolution, and we just have to go with it and look for the the opportunities. You know, one of the the most famous quotes, and I forget who said it, is like, "Never waste a good crisis," which is in every pain, in every challenge, and adversity in life, there's something to gain from it. Um, unfortunately. The majority of people are not looking at what they can gain from things, they're looking at what they're losing.
2: Yeah, I think um when it came to last year, a lot of people and coaches specifically, too, they almost fell under this mentality of, well, the gyms are closed, no one's gonna want to work out, let's just sit back and write it out somehow. Where in reality there was an opportunity still, there were still some people that wanted to keep with their workouts, they wanted to keep as healthy as possible. So in my own experience, I, I I heard a lot of people saying, man, we're really, we're really suffering when it comes to the business. Uh, and I'm talking about online coaching.
1: Okay.
2: And luckily, I just, that, that just wasn't the case for me. It, it's just, actually, it was a, a more successful year than the, the, the 2019 and the year prior. And it's just kind of relating back to what you're saying. You have to really if there's an opportunity if you see because the opportunity there was to perhaps remodel some parts of your business to address this change but if you're not the type of person that is comfortable with change you're just going to sit back and just wait it out and and wait for the people that are comfortable with change to take over you know perhaps a little bit of market share
1: right Uh, you know man i love that because i i i see it from the outside in terms of your business i can see that you guys did level up and i see a lot of leveling up is just your mindset and your perspective on things. And I think like you guys like really got to the next level in your business just over this last year, you know, and, and, and it's a true Testament to your thinking and and your, your perspective on life. And I know a lot of coaches that level down big time, their businesses shrunk and they lost all their clients because they were, they were so fixated on like, Oh, shows are going to come back the way they were like, things are going to come back the way they were. 90% of our business is lifestyle. It's not even competition prep. And The first thing I told our employees was this. If you guys think that the gym's closing is a bad thing, like everything is your perspective in life. If you think the gym's closing are a bad thing for business, it's actually one of the best things because what is the responsibility of a coach? It's to help people. It's to guide them. It's to educate them. It's to give them the tools. Well, like now people are at home and they don't know how to get in shape. There's one more obstacle in their way, which means it's one more opportunity for you to sell people on coaching because they need you more than ever. Absolutely. You know, people can go to the gym and just wing it. You could just get on some machines, do whatever. But like when you're at home, you can't just really wing it. Now you need like more precise guidance. You need more specific advice. You need, you know, more tailored programming. So everything can be an opportunity depending on how you see it. And obviously you guys, you know, your business is leveled up and I'm not surprised just speaking to you, man. Thank you very
2: much, man. I appreciate that. And it's very interesting what you mentioned, because even in this messed up situation, what I was telling a lot of clients was, This could actually be a blessing in disguise because with a lot of people, even girls, but especially guys, when you go to a gym, there's a lot of ego happening, man. You just want to lift the heaviest weights and pick up the heaviest dumbbells or whatever. And in most cases, that's not really what's best for their physique. They're potentially putting themselves at risk of injury and they're not really connecting with the muscles. So what I ended up trying to emphasize through this whole process is you don't have as much weight. So you don't have First of all, you're at home. You You have no one to impress. No one. It's just you and your music. That's it. So pick up the, even bands, like just slow it down as long as possible. Trying to connect with that muscle as much as you can, because that's something that you're likely not going to do at the gym because you have these shiny toys and all these options and opportunities and and, and, and you know, machines available for you to just max out on or whatever. Once you take that out of the equation, you're just completely alone. It really makes you also realize whether you're actually doing it for yourself or whether you're actually doing it to impress people, take videos, post them, whatever. So I think that was a defining moment. And some of these clients actually, once the gyms opened back, they started to, obviously they started to make some progress, but a lot of these, this progress was due to the fact that they were forced, they had no option, they were forced to connect with the muscle. So when they went back to the gym, they were better prepared to use this fancy equipment.
1: Yeah, it took, me, it took people back to level one, which was like, learn how to contract a muscle. And yeah. people don't know that because most people get in a machine and they're just like, okay, go whatever the machine tells them to do. Like the machine tells you push up. That's the only way the machine goes. Just push up. They kind of just, it's like a ride. They get on it and go, you know? Yeah. But when you're at home, it's like, you can't, you can't do that. You literally need to figure out how to create support. You literally need to be more mindful, how to create intent in your brain and you're focused on contracting the muscle. I don't think people do that with machines nearly one bit. You know, I, I, Two people can use the same machine, and one person gets so much out of it, and the other person does it. While you're doing band home chest workouts, you literally have to contract the muscle. Yeah, you know, there's not enough load for you to like, for for you to kind of get lost in the the exercise. You know, so in the gym, we're so focused on exercises, we're so focused on movements, but we're not focused on contractions, which is the root of movement and exercise.
2: Absolutely, just because you see something from the outside happening up and down or whatever it doesn't mean that internally
1: is actually what it needs to happen right you would really like a resistance training course it's called RTS resistance training specialist actually it's all about internal focus and internal performance um versus like external and what it looks like you if for anyone listening you guys should you guys should check it out it's called RTS resistance training specialist it's taught by uh Tom Purvis in Oklahoma
2: absolutely thank you very much for the tip uh well we, we know you're a very busy person. We don't want to take too much of your time. Byron, do you have anything you'd like to add or ask before we uh, we finish? I'm gonna be
0: completely honest, man. I've been taking it. I've I've been sitting back and just taking it all in. Um, it's actually been more of a learning experience than anything. But if I had one final question, I guess it'd probably be, you know, more or less with man the f up because I know that's headed by yourself, whereas lady the f up is headed by your sister, correct? Uh, man the f up. Where would you like to see in the next couple of years? I don't even know actually how many coaches you have besides Jay Stevens and Josh Cooper bands. So I'm just yeah, curious.
1: So, so Hammer Fitness was like the 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 main brand. We And then from Hammer Fitness, we created Lady the F up because, we, you know, we want to be focused on one niche. And we realized like when you grow too big, sometimes it, you're not always growing the right way. Not all growth is good growth. So we grew not in the way I expected or wanted. And then you start to, you know, your message gets distorted and you don't end up getting the most out of what you're trying to do. So we created Lady the F-Up um, and then we, during the pandemic, we started Man the F-Up, Jason and I did. Right now we have, I believe, six coaches working under Man the F-Up. You know, they're already at you know, six figures per month doing numbers like that. Um, it's not even been a year for the company. The goal isn't honestly hiring more coaches. I used to think more is better, bigger is better, you know, like more coaches, more employees. I, I realize it's all about quality. You know, we want people that are busy. We want coaches that are very successful, that earn a good living, because that's a reflection typically of the work you do. You know, there's a strong correlation between, you know, when you earn more money doing something, you probably give more to that something. So when we have coaches that are doing well instead of having a lot of coaches and some of them are doing well and some aren't we want all coaches to be very successful personally and financially professionally so that they can give more to this you know like josh just quit his full time job so that he can give more to this as a result he's going to make more money but he's going to be giving better value to the client and that's what we care about it's always about giving the most amount of value And I'm not one of these people that like has this like idea in my head of what my life is always going to look like, man. I I don't, I just kind of like, I I show up every day and, you know, I, the world may change as it did. And, you know, I couldn't plan for this, you know, and and that's why I don't try to plan too far ahead either. But I do focus on the quality of what we do always and the growth of what we do and make sure that when we grow, it's growing upward and not outward.
0: Fair enough. Well, um, honestly, we appreciate you taking the time uh we're really excited to share this with everybody else uh is there anything you'd like to say closing this out here Ammer? would you like to uh give a shout out to any of your coaches or companies that you have
1: sure Talk yeah to- i mean you guys can follow us on all our social media man the f up lady the f up hammer fitness um or my own instagram Ammer the hammer i just appreciate the opportunity you know i appreciate you guys having me and you know i i know that you guys share a very positive optimistic mindset and um you know i i think that's it's important it's important we have people like you guys and have people that are you know optimistic and positive and encouraging and looking for you know trying to figure out ways to empower yourselves and other people in life um that's what life really is about it's about leveling up and you know teaching people to level up along the way with you and you guys are doing a great job of that so i appreciate you having me thank Thank you very
2: much sir this has been very insightful for me as well uh thank you for your time and uh I don't know, maybe in the future, we, we we can get to sit down again and have another chat. Maybe once things, maybe the world will be a completely different place in uh, in a year from now or six months from now. So I would definitely like
1: to, you know, sit down and talk again with you. Sure. I would love to. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Have a great day. See ya.